0: Hello, and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people who have overcome real challenges and are making our world better because of it. They have taken life's lemons and are making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so excited to talk to you and hear your story. So start out by telling me a couple of things about yourself.
1: Okay. So I have one daughter. I've been married 19 years. I'm a dog mom. I've got two boys. So I've got one daughter and two boy dogs. And one of my favorite things to do in the whole world is hike. I love hiking. So now we're coming into winter and I have a huge deprivation (laughs) for many long months. Um, but that's one of my favorite places in the whole world to be. Wow. Okay. So what kind of dogs do you have? I have uh we're a doodle family okay. so I've got a golden doodle and a a doodle. Oh wow. Yes. A little dog <laughs> Yeah. there. Yeah, they're well, they're, yeah. they're 30 30 pounds and okay. about 45 pounds. So okay. they're, they're more medium. They're, they're yeah. good. They're indoor dogs, but big enough to play with and yeah. take on adventures. Yeah.
0: And even snuggle with on the couch. So
1: that's absolutely. Awesome. And they yep. don't
0: shed. So that's a plus. That's yeah. a must for me, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah, why we sure. are
1: doodle family over yeah. here. Yeah. I
0: that. Well, I know a tiny bit about you because you, with that tiny bit impacted my life huge. So I have been dying to hear your story so I need to have you take me back and tell me this lemon to lemonade story.
1: okay it's a long one. there's two of them actually in the in the journey and I certainly thought one was enough thought well that's good. I had my life altering you know health experience and then I got to experience another one um, less than 20 years later. So my journey began at 13 years old. I was the epitome of health. I had started dancing five hours a day when I was seven years old. In fact, my nickname was the Energizer Bunny. I seemed to never run out of it. I was—I loved dance. I was so passionate about it. I had this one warning sign. I was getting my braces on, as we all can probably remember, or most of us, and you're laying in that chair for a long time. And my elbows started to really ache. And I remembered like, stretching my arms and thinking, this is so odd. I've never felt anything like this. And the next morning I woke up and had pain in every joint and muscle in my body. Everything I knew with my health and my body was gone instantly overnight. And that really was my only warning sign that something was coming. And that was the beginning of a very long journey of not finding answers, going all over the country. I had so many symptoms with pain and fatigue and Uh, gut issues and my hair started falling out. And I got so exhausted to the place where even some days I didn't have energy to lift a finger. I couldn't even hold a book. Um, Some days it took all of me to utter strength to speak, which is a very scary place to be, to realize how much energy it takes just to speak. And what was so hard is no one could figure me out. Mm -hmm. And, And literally I used to pray for An answer for a diagnosis. I was tested for about everything that existed. This was 27 years ago. Um, so we also didn't have near the functional medicine, you know, so many different diagnostic things that I think today I could have maybe expedited my journey, but I went all over the country, some of the top hospitals and on my blood work they could tell my body was shutting down and you could see it with my hair with my body my skin was yellow from my liver shutting down but they couldn't figure out what it was um and the best they could really surmise from everything and what they were seeing was i had some rare viral infection that was killing me that my body was fighting but they couldn't diagnose so therefore they couldn't treat and i essentially was sent home to die i was told was a mystery case and told that I needed to accept that I was not going to live past my teenage years, I would never dance again, never have a family, never get married, you know, and, and the sooner I accepted this, the easier it was going to be to become to terms with my reality. You know, I'm I'm 13 years old and I I remember the first time a doctor said this to me thinking, how is this my life? How right. how has this even happened to me? You know, and we've had kind of those moments of like, where did this happen? You know, and and how am I here? And how am I experiencing this? And and how did my body turn so drastically? And I remember looking down and feeling the emotions. So many of us, I'm sure, felt overwhelmed. Like I am facing this mountain. I'm told my life is over. All the experts are telling me I need to accept this. I'm dying. But deep, like deep in my soul, I was like, no, I was not created to just die at 13. And I remember just in that moment, it was one of the most defining moments, just thinking, no. And I looked up at the doctor and I said, I don't accept this. And they sent in a psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) I can't make this up, right? They sent in a psychologist to talk to me again, I'm 13, right? I'm meeting with the experts. She tells me, you know, I, I I'm, den- I'm living in denial of my reality. And I remember looking at her and saying, listen, nobody can knows more than me that I'm dying. Like I can feel it, but I also deep down inside can feel that if I just accept that I'm dying, that all chances of survival are gone. Right. And I work in the brain now, but I didn't understand the mechanisms of the brain then just understood that if I just accept this, my, my body is facing something so huge. And if I just accept it, my body doesn't have enough in it to, to continue. And so we walked out of that hospital and many hospitals, not knowing. And, but just with this determination and I really credit my mom. I mean, she was a fighter. I would not be here without her, but she really allowed me in those moments to have the space to respond right as young as i was and i know she was like gearing to go when a doctor's telling me you're going to die you need to accept this but she also honored that it was my journey and and as much as she loved and supported me it was my fight it was my body and she she allowed me to make that declaration myself which i'm eternally grateful for and even just as a mother now would definitely want to jump right in there and tell that doctor to shove that where the sun didn't shine um because i've done that too but nonetheless this as i went through this journey and we left and where we don't have answers this is when i really started to understand the intricate mind body connection because i can tell you i know with absolute certainty if i wanted to have given up i could have died i have felt that i know i know what it's like to be dying. I know what it's like to feel your body shutting down. And I, on those certain nights, I would stay awake. I would stay awake through the night. I would will my body to stay awake and to keep fighting because I really felt like if I went to sleep, my body was just too tired, too sick. And I had to keep willing it to live. This is when I realized how powerful the mind-body connection is. And we know the brain's the command center of everything within us and in the body. So this helped me survive. It, it was instrumental, but it also hardwired my nervous system to live in fight or flight. I was living between life and death for four years. So survival was my life. There was no other choice, but I didn't understand what that was doing at a deep neurological level. So it's obviously a long story. We dove into just supporting my immune system in all the ways possible. Again, so many things didn't exist then that exist today, but it was a very slow journey to support my body and my immune system to fight this virus it was so gradual to being able to walk, you know, from my bed to the bathroom and then a couple houses down the block and then around the block. And it was a very long journey. Um, it was six years before I was really like, okay, getting healthy. Some parts of it took 13, which with what I understood with the brain, I could expedite, but it was about four and a half years of teetering between life and death. So when I got well, which was so miraculous, I defied the odds. Right, right. I'm like, time to live, you know, and it took, it took six years for me to have the strength to go back to dancing. Um, and I went back to dancing and that was miraculous in and of itself. It took a lot of courage. I I left the dance world. I, I fought through the first year of my illness to go back and forth. Cause I mean, it was the love of my life and losing it was like losing my soul. But to leave as a young girl and now come back as a, like, nearly 20-year-old woman who hasn't been dancing and hasn't even been active, I can tell you the, the courage to step back into the studio, right, where my friends and my peers, when I was a, a ballroom dancer, had been training and competing all over the world, and it was, like, starting over, but it was miraculous. I I came back to dancing, was a top 12 competitor in the United States at a collegiate level, had amazing experiences, ended up marrying my husband who was also a ballroom dancer. We didn't plan on dancing, but our life took us um, to a whole other route because academics was equally as important to me. And I thought I was going that route. And then we got married and we had an amazing career. We traveled all over the world, 45 different countries dancing, we were both on So You Think You Can Dance, which a married couple's never made the show because you have to make it separately because only girls make it and and boys make it. You don't make it as a couple. So that was just such a miracle. Also, just from a physical standpoint, because we both made it through the whole season until the finale, by the end, you're dancing 12, 15, and 16 hours a day, which just was miraculous from a a girl who couldn't lift a finger to now have that physical capacity. And it was such an amazing experience to also be able to, you know, share, like you can defy the odds, like, listen, I'm here and I'm here when I was out of dance for six years through the most pivotal times, right. Growing up through your adolescence, that's where you become a professional athlete or performer. So it was like the top of the mountain. And then we headlined a Broadway show in the West end in London. And then we were in LA and we were working in film and television and performed and dance with the stars and choreographed for movies. And it was like, look at this, right? Like we, I climbed the mountain, like we are here. I am at the peak of my physical condition. I lost everything again and went to the very bottom. And I would say to the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And I had a, a second hip surgery so through my professional career, I had a lot of injuries, which now and later I understood was just a manifestation of my nervous system, still living in that survival. Cause it didn't matter how well I took care of my body and I took care of it. I kept getting injured all the time, which was so frustrating. So through my whole professional career, I was still always battling to come back from injuries, mm-hmm. having to step back, rehab, come back. And it was, it was through the, my whole career. In fact, when we were on Broadway, I didn't do one show without it pretty intense injury. So even in the success, right? It was, it was a journey that was not easy, but I had had a significant hip surgery, came back to my professional career, had to do the other hip, expected it to go like the first, I knew it was going to be hard. knew I'd have to learn how to walk again and dance, but this one went totally different and it failed and it launched my whole body into chronic pain. And again, it was like overnight, I went from the epitome of health to what happened to my body and my life. And I lost my professional career, which also of course impacted my husband. I was also a personal trainer because I grew such a passion for the capacity of the body to grow strength, right? I couldn't lift a finger. I had to start with like a half pound weight to then being able to lift heavy weights and be strong. That was my other passion. And I lost the capacity to do that. Um, I had a two-year-old daughter, which was so miraculous because they told me I'd never have children. And now I can't lift her. I can't hold her. I can't get down on the ground and play with her. I'm in so much pain. I can't even, again, hold a book, but not from lack of strength, from nerve pain shooting through my arms. And it it was so deja vu of how does this just happen to my life? And again, but now exponentially harder because I'm a mom, I'm a wife. I have all these responsibilities. I'm not a teenager in my home with my mom. I now... I'm losing everything that I've worked my whole life right to accomplish. And now I'm going through hell. And so is my daughter and my husband. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I've done this before. We'll do everything known to man. Right. And I tried everything, Western, Eastern, alternative, holistic, all the regenerative types of injections. I did over 200 types of injections. I was like a pin cushion. I did everything known to man and I'm still not getting better. I'm getting worse and I'm being diagnosed with pain conditions that are lifelong, right? No cure. The best you can do is manage. It's going to get worse. I had a doctor tell me it's downhill from here. You're not getting any younger. It it was just so uncanny of like how can you do this twice in your life? And the gift was I wasn't dying. But in full disclosure, and some people get this living in that type of pain, 24 hours a day in 12 different areas of my body, sleeping two to three hours a night, losing the capacity to do everything you love, even walk. That's doesn't feel like life. Yeah. You know, it's not living either. It's not living. And you're going through that. And I'm watching my family go through this. Right. Right. And my daughter who don't bump mommy because if you bumped me, it'd feel like a train hit me. So it it wasn't living in some ways, right? Some people and they feel that like death would be a gift, right? Than living this way. But I fought so hard. I'm like, well, I'm not going now. But I did get to the point of one night, I was laying on the floor. And my husband and I were sleeping separately because I was up most of the night and someone needed to sleep, you know, and I'm, I'm laying on the floor in the fetal position. And I really was, I was scraping the bottom of the barrel and I was like, God, this, I don't want to do this. You know, I don't want to do this. And I, that scared me because I was a, a child, a girl who refused to die, like refused You know, think I wasn't at a place to do anything to myself, but at a place where you're like, God, you can take me. Like this is this is too hard. I'm depleted to my core. I can't live like this. And I remember that scared me so much that I could get to that place. But there was nothing left to try. There really wasn't. And That's what scared me. And that's where I felt like, well, what's next? And my family, we were losing our home because we had spent everything known to man trying to get me well for years with no outcome. And I just remember sitting there and being like, okay, but I'm deep in my soul. I'm not a person who gives up, even though I really wanted to. And I thought, well, one thing they're all telling me is my nervous system flipped a switch into pain. Hmm. That's what they said. Sometimes in surgery, you know, the the nervous system can can be altered and it switches into pain. And I thought, well, if it can switch into pain, there's got to be a way to switch it back out. Right. Right. What can go one way has to be able to go back the other way. And so in that moment, I thought, well, if I can't find the answer outside of me, I'm going to create it. I'm going to figure it out. And not just for me, but for other people whose nervous system has also switched into pain, into illness, into autoimmune, into anxiety, into depression, into panic attacks, because all of us weren't always like that. In that moment, I felt this drive, not only just to save my own life, but like this is my purpose. like this is why I've gone through so much hell. Um, and sometimes I'm like, really did I do I have to be the one? Okay, I have to be the one. <laughs> um, and that's the beautiful thing when desperation can meet determination, right? Because it's a must. And so I dove head deep into neuroscience and this is the blessing of having been a nerd and loving you know academics because it, it really came into play here. And I thought, do I go back to school? And I thought, well, I'm going to study so many things that aren't relevant to what I'm trying to accomplish. So instead, no, I'm just going to read all the journals. That's the beauty of this age of information. I'm going to read all the different academic journals and research and studies. and, And we're talking about the brain now, but like eight years ago, it was not so widespread in podcasts and YouTube I was having to dig deep and understand the brain and and all pain comes from the brain. So I thought, my gosh, we're, we're missing something. Like it's felt in the body, but the brain is the one that decides to send pain signals. So how can we actually heal chronic pain if we're not addressing the brain? But then as I'm studying the brain and pain science and the nervous system, I'm realizing it's a stress response. So although my first initial drive was to heal my physical pain, I realized no system in the body breaks down alone or heals alone. And it wasn't just that my body had been altered by the surgery, but the way it responded to it was very much driven by what I had already gone through when I was younger. And that survival mechanism of, oh my gosh, we're in the fight for our life was triggered. And I went into overdrive and that overdrive of survival was pain. Those were pain signals. Those were protective signals other people that can manifest in more mental or emotional stress symbols, right? We're all different. And that's all based on our life and our genetics and our biodiversity and our personality and our traumas. That's how it manifests. And that's why it's so different for each of us. And so I was like, "What? nobody has a process. Like there's tools, there's methods. What is the step-by-step to partner with your brain and nervous system? heal the physical and the psychological and emotional components of your life that your brain has a bank of that has altered your system? How do you partner with that to address it and to heal it so that your system actually accepts, hey, I don't have to live this way anymore, even while you're going through it. So now it's at a place to change and those stress signals don't have to send and they don't have to scream and they can heal. And so Even though I had to learn how to rewire pain pathways, it was all the other other components of my life that I also had to understand and address and do together because you can't heal the brain separate from the body and you can't heal the body separate from the brain. And we really try. And that's why we get to a certain point, but not fully free because they're so interconnected. And so by being my own guinea pig, And research and studying neuroscience, like four to five hours a day. So I decided if I'm going to wake up at three in pain, I'm just going to start studying. By the time my daughter wakes up at eight, I've done five hours of neuroscience study and and research. And I I learned to love the brain and I started to feel hope and I started to see possibility, even though once again, I'm being told this is impossible. and slowly but surely, I started to feel progress and see changes and created emotional healing, which is this process, gave me my life back. And then that's what I've been doing the last five years of coaching clients all over the world through it and why I love the brain so much. And what I want to emphasize is you listen to my story and other people's stories, right? There's a lot of beautiful, amazing stories out there in the world. And I know I read many of them in my own journey just to feel that possibility, right? If someone else can defy the odds, so can I. But also we all think, well, that's them. You know, that's them. And that's their personality or that's their talent or that's whatever it is that we make them the exception. And we aren't. And the reason why I love the brain so much and why bioemotional healing works is because because of what I went through, I was able to merge the science with the lived experience. And the mechanisms of the brain are the same for each of us. Barring you truly have a brain injury where your brain doesn't work or a mental illness to the place of like psychosis where you're not rational and your prefrontal cortex can't think anymore. Barring that, the functionalities of the brain are the same for each of us, which means we all have the capacity to overcome physical, mental, emotional stress and, and heal and live and think and feel the way we want to in our life. And that's why, as you hear my story, it now becomes my client's story, right? In their life, in their journey, in their experiences, but we all are made so powerful. And that's really what my, you know, lemons to lemonade story is, is that it's, can be everyone else's story too in their life. And that's, my mission for people to not just really understand it, but to embrace it and learn how to harness this incredible capacity their brain has, because it does, it's neuroscience, it's proven. We just have to be really taught how.
0: Yeah. And that's what I love that you got this knowledge and now you're sharing it. And I remember hearing just a five, 10 minute story of yours, just a brief story of how you basically healed yourself by thinking different thoughts about it is really what you kind of shared. You're like, I was just, wasn't going to believe that I couldn't be healed. And I was going to think differently about it. And I just remember sitting there hearing that and be like, wait a second. Is that really possible? Like she's saying this is possible. I just think differently now. And so I was so excited to hear your story and your encouraging words and that you'd share this. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this with people. Cause you could have endured this. You could have done a thousand different things, gone a thousand different directions, hated your life, stayed on the floor in pain, but you changed and you changed your thinking.
1: Yeah. And what I, I want to, I want to explain the neuroscience a little bit behind what you just shared. People who are listening are like, I'm trying to think positive. I'm trying to think different. (laughs) No, it's not that sometimes that's not enough. You have to do the other pieces, which is why I absolutely had to heal, right? The the trauma from my illness, I had to heal belief systems attached to it in my body. You know, the thinking is so crucial, but I want people to just know, like if you're doing that and you feel stuck, it's because your brain is so solidified in the program. It thinks it needs to stay to keep you safe and protect you based upon your life that there are absolutely other components we have to address so that your nervous system accepts it can do things different because some people try and you you try to think positive or or what you want and your your nervous system and your and your brain is really like great yep good for you but we're gonna keep doing this you know we're gonna thank you so much and that gets exhausting too yeah so i just want to throw that out there for the people where it's, it's not enough, right? And that's because you've been altered deeply enough to where your brain is stuck in this hypervigilance, this hyperprotection, this oversensitivity. And that's why notwithstanding what you're trying to think, you're still having the anxiety, the depression, the panic, the pain, the gut issues, the autoimmune. Right? And right. so
0: that's where they can deep dive with you more to yes. really get to deeper issues
1: yes and truly change the program because right. i i also know for the rest of our life we don't have to constantly be like fighting the internal dialogue and redirecting right. and fighting and redirecting like that's so exhausting like constantly fighting your panic or your fear or your worry or your sadness like there's a way to heal it so that the program's different you actually feel different in your life that doesn't mean it doesn't take your active participation but there's a difference between managing Having tools to manage your internal state, your physical state, the rest of your life, and having tools to just perpetuate it to new levels, right? Like that's the difference. Of course, our natural instinct is to hate it. It's altering our life, it's impacting us. So, what we need to understand though is everything to the brain comes down to meaning. And that meaning tells your brain whether to send stress signals or rest repair signals, right? And when we go through something and we start hating it, which is again, the instinct, it's hard. We don't want it. That hate puts a threat response in your brain to that thing. Maybe it's to you. Maybe it's to your shoulder. Maybe it's to your gut. Maybe it's to your brain now because of the emotional stress. Maybe it's to a person, but the more you send that hate and that frustration, the brain's threat related to that gets bigger. When the brain feels threat around something, it sends stress signals. Stress signals is pain. Stress signals is anxiety. Stress signals is panic, right? Again, depending on the person, it shows up more mental or physical. But if we understand that, that and the longer that neural pathway keeps sending threat signals, the more solidified it becomes, which yep. is why anxiety gets worse. Depression gets <sighs> worse. Pain gets worse. When we just hate them, resist them, frustrate them, we're actually making it worse. Mm -hmm. But I can't heal anything to wholeness through hate and resistance and frustration. Every brain has a universal meaning that a heart means love. Whether we're thinking or not, the, the brain and the body encode it. It means love. Love is healing. Love is safety. Love is I trust you. And that starts to shift the brain's threat response, which allows the stress response to decrease because also we always are like healing is hard. Healing is long. And I'm like, I I want you to embrace two truths. If, if it takes a while, be here for the journey because you're going to have progress along the way that allows you to live better, but life is worth the long haul, right? Like I said, parts of my illness took 13 years. Yeah. 13. But now I've been free of it for 14. So was it worth the 13 years? Absolutely. And very often we don't ever get there because we give up. Be open to the long haul, but also be open to things shifting fast because our brain is that powerful. And just depending on you and your body and all the pieces, like it can take a while and then it can also switch fast. So sometimes the belief that it has to be long and has to be hard. It always takes effort, but that belief is also what keeps us in the long and the yep. hard because yeah. the brain has to validate our beliefs. So I'm like, right. people are like, oh, I'm still healing, you know. And yeah. I'm like, well, you're gonna stay there because there's also such a strong belief that it it has to take time. So be open to both.
0: Well, and you the, 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 you're counting the days. You're like, there's another day I was sick. There's another yep. day I'm in pain and right. you're looking back now it's been 30 days so you're constantly like constantly. counting it so of course you knew see. i
1: had healed when my anniversary of that failed hip surgery came and i didn't realize
0: you didn't count it yep yep
1: it, facebook reminded me yeah exactly <laughs> but, but but for many yeah. years into that it was like oh my gosh i can't believe it's been another yeah. year yeah. and then and then when i did embrace the journey and the healing and the progress and the belief that it was coming That's when I really knew I'd made that shift because you're right. A a year, another year passed, and I wasn't dwelling on it. Yeah. Because if you don't trust it and believe it, and you're like, "This is just a fluke," the brain will go, "Oh, well, I guess we'll go back." Yes,
0: go back. Yeah. And that's where we
1: have to be open to be like, "Oh, yeah, this is possible," and it shifted. I feel better. This isn't a fluke.
0: Well, again, thank you for blessing everyone's lives. I'm just, I'm in shock and awe and appreciative and all the all the things of just, just being able to be near you and learn from you. And I know other people will be so blessed to take your advice and to listen to you, to talk to you, to get coached by you. And you're going to help, you're, you're helping the world. And I just can't believe that. I'm so proud of you.
1: So oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. It's a deep honor and privilege to do this work. It, it's it's not easy. I deal with a lot of really hard stuff and people yeah. going through really hard stuff in their life, physically, mentally, emotionally, trauma, but it's a deep privilege to turn all the pain into purpose and help other people do the same. So I'm very grateful for the journey that's that's led me here. And mm-hmm. uh, there's so many beautiful people in the world suffering and it's it is so rewarding to see them be able to change that
0: I don't have to suffer. all of that. So thank you. You're still here. Well then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. Thank you. Thank you for changing my life. I will always be grateful for that day. So thank you. I'm
1: so glad you came and then yeah, came and spoke to I- me. I know. I and, can't believe it. You know, and that's the thing. You never know what's going to resonate with someone. Yeah. And that's why I, I encourage people. You know, I have so many free resources with my own podcast. I have free trainings on my website. I have a free mind body blueprint that you can download to start just how do I interrupt my stress responses? How do I react differently in my life? And all of that's on my website, ashleydlello.com, which I'm sure you'll put in the, in the in podcast the show notes. notes. Yep. But then if someone's like, I'm doing all the things, like I I can feel, right? I am stuck. My nervous system, my brain is stuck. Then, you know, if that's you and you really want, you want to change it, then you can schedule a free consultation. Because this is deep work and it has to be a right fit on both parts. And you have to be ready to do the work because I don't live in your mind and body. I will show you how, but it does take your active participation, but that's what really changes it long-term and empowers you moving forward because you're going to do it. And so you can schedule a free consultation and then we can see if it's a good fit and then talk about moving forward through the process.
0: Oh. Cause you really do. You really do carry and you let people go. It's their bodies. I love that. You would say that you're like, I can give you these free tools and these things you can try. And that's great. And that would be cool if that works for you. So I love that you're just offering it to anyone to be able to elevate their health a little bit more, just something simple.
1: I hope or they, they can do deep dive. it. We can learn, 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 and we're kind of stuck yeah. there. Right. And yeah. that's why I tell my clients you're here to do, and you don't have to figure out how I'm going to show you that. But the only way to change is to, do. And I think we get so stuck in learning. Right. And not we don't doing do anything. Yep. And then well, and I'm always one to say,
0: I don't know what I don't know. I don't know right. what I don't know. And, right. so and we all I can't love... know everything. Yeah. So I love being able to talk to you and be like, oh, <laughs> I did not know that I'm going to do that now. And so I'm a oh, doer. So I just need to it. know so I can do so. Yes. Anybody can do it. So I love it's it. awesome. So oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm
1: so glad Heidi, so thank, thank you. you for having you. me Yeah, and thank you for doing like, that's the thing that makes me the most sad. Cause I have no control over that and, and right. people can, and obviously my clients commit and then they they're invested to do, but right. even with the knowledge that's out there, you have no control over people doing it. And so I just, Thank you for doing it so you can experience it. It It's fantastic. It's heaven.
0: Do it. Just do it. Yeah.
1: Yes. Well,
0: (laughs) thanks, Thank you. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.